Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, I, I want to start off by just asking you to pray for me. I, um, <clears throat> I've just had this thing that doctors have not been able to get out of my system yet. I'm on my third round of antibiotics, second round of steroids, and um, <clears throat> and I'm just, you know, the coughing has gotten ridiculous, and the the ENT specialist told me, he says, it may be six months before the coughing goes away. And uh, I looked at him, I said, yep, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. So uh, uh, anyway, just pray for me. And I appreciate that. Um, I mean, I even missed a Christmas staff party Friday night, which is, uh, you know, I've never missed one of those before. We have so much fun and uh, it's just a great time of having the whole team together. And when I told them I couldn't come, they didn't cancel it. I don't understand. But um, anyway, I, I love our staff at Gateway. You, you, are, you bless us by allow, allowing us and providing for us to be able to hire just a phenomenal team. And I just love, love each person that's on our team. And they serve with passion. Uh, they serve with distinction. They, they do their job, and I'm thankful. And... Um, be praying as we uh, look for the next person to be our discipleship pastor. Uh, that's the one that we're looking for now. And, you know, to us, we, we hire somebody for their abilities and their training and their experience. But the hardest thing that is also the most important thing to us is the chemistry, uh, that they're just a fit for our staff and a fit for you. And because uh, you can be the best at everything, if the chemistry is not there, it's it's not a fun it's not a fun experience. And uh, so just pray that God's already know who the person is. Just pray that He will reveal the person to us at the right time as we diligently search uh, for that individual. And uh, I mentioned in the first service, if you really want to get in the Christmas spirit, tonight's chapel is a good time to go to. It's once a month tonight, six o'clock. Uh, it's going to be Christmas music, and, uh, and it'll be a short message on, on Christ, and <clears throat> I hope you will uh, take advantage of that. Um, you know, sometimes I preach a sermon before the sermon, and so this is one of those. And uh, so let me just take a moment just to share a thought with you. Um, I um, was talking to a friend uh, recently, and they just talked about they're just struggle with it. they're struggling with their emotions. Uh, they're just depressed. They're emotionally drained, and they said it. You know, they they already identified what it was. They, you know, they've just been so isolated from people. They spend a lot of time just looking at what the social media says about things, and they get drawn into stuff, and and, and they listen to the the news all the time because it's always available. Um, and, um, and so, you know, in talking to him, I, I said, well, you have just flooded your mind and with, with negative stuff and, and you, you have to disengage periodically. I mean, that's part of that Sabbath thing. And so what if for a season, an extended season, just stop looking at the news is, you know, things are still going to happen whether you look at it or not. 
And, and what happens not really going to change your life. So just stop looking at it for a while. Allow God to refill your emotional tank. Uh, I, I think we're seeing the long-term effect of being in a continual COVID mode. And, uh, and there are even some states that are even talking about making masks permanent. And, and I thought, yeah, that's going to fly really well. Um, but we, we've just, I mean, the educators are telling us that they're seeing a massive increase in the, in the mental health of our students. I mean, that their mental health is getting in a bad shape uh, because of the isolation and not the socialization that they normally experience. <clears throat> and I think we do that to ourselves as well. And, you know, we, we actually, we train ourselves to think in terms of sound bites. Have you noticed that? I mean, our attention span really wanes quickly. And one of the ways that that happens, you know, I'll go ahead and confess to you, I can get pulled into this stuff. You're sitting there, you're looking at some things and, and they have these sections called reels, R-R-E-E-L. And they're like, you know, 20 second or 30 second videos. And they're just, you know, funny stuff, all this various stuff. And he said, well, I can do that for 30 seconds. And then 45 minutes later, after you've watched, you know, 90 of them, I, I mean, you, you, it just, you get sucked into it, but your brain is being conditioned to only think in terms of little snippets and to the point that you just want to read one Bible verse. Well, that's, that becomes dangerous because it's kind of like headlines. You read the headlines, I said, okay, I got it. But if you go in and read the story, read the whole story, you go back and say, wait a minute, that headline totally misrepresents what happened. Or you see a snippet of a video and you will say, oh, that's awful. But then when you watch the whole video, you go back and say, that's not what they meant at all. It's totally taken out of context because it was just little segment was pulled out. We do that with scripture. We pull out a little verse right here because it makes us feel good. And we forget about what's ahead of it and what's behind it. And it brings more context to what that verse is saying. And we miss the deeper meaning sometimes. And, um, and it dawned on me the other day, we, we've already pretty much planned out next year's messages. Uh, the senior team, we work together on that. Uh, of what God wants, what we believe God wants us to share with you. And we always ch choose a Bible book for the summer. And so we've been talking about a particular Bible book. I said, all right, well, I'm, let me just go and just read the whole, the whole book and let me just get, get everything in my brain. And I started reading. And after about the third chapter, I, I just found my mind wandering all over the place. And I said, wow, I've conditioned my brain to just think in shorter segments. And, uh, and I've, that's not good. You know, and, and so I'm having to make some adjustments. I'm having to pull back on some things. I'm having to cut out some things for my own personal mental health and for my own well-being spiritually <clears throat> so that I can get the fullness of God's word into my heart. And, uh, cause really the only thing that rewires your brain and rewires your heart is God's word. I mean, it, 
if, it, if you want it done right, if you want it to be in the right place, you know, the, the scripture renews the mind. And so I just want to encourage you about that. And that sermon before the sermon kind of fits in to what we've been talking about the last uh, several weeks. We talked about the Sabbath, what it's really meant for, and how we violate that to our own demise and our own, we, we hurt ourselves emotionally and spiritually when we violate the Sabbath that God has for us. <clears throat> and then last week we talked about how, how can we really be achievers for God, super achievers. And we identified that really the only thing that makes you a super achiever is when you are doing things for God's kingdom. And when you are fulfilling what God has set out for you, what God planned for your life, and that's being a super achiever, not by the world standards, not at all, but by God's standards. And God has an individual path for each of us. And together, we each walk down our path that God has for our life, but we do it as a community. We fulfill, each of us fulfill our own purpose that God has for us, but we do it in community because we get strength and energy from each other. And, um, you know, you've probably been watching a lot of football and rarely does a team win off of one player. I mean, it takes, it takes all the players doing their part to really make it happen. So today we're, we're going to be talking about the survival skills that you need to do the will of God. I read a quote, and, um, and I really liked it. I said, eh, it ex expresses it well. I, I gave it to the office staff, and I said, you know, look at this and see if you can think of a better word. And, and, and they gave me a bunch of options, but we kind of went back to the original word. So he, here's the quote. I did not know how God could use me. You know, I'm, I've got my own mess ups. You know, how could God ever use somebody like me? You probably felt that way from time to time. Maybe you feel that way all the time. Then he told me, God told me, when I made the plans for your life, which he did before you were born, when I made the plans for your life, I factored in your stupidity. <laughs> now, I can relate to that. <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of like, I know you. I was there when you were made. I know, I know your temptations. I know what you struggle with. I know what you're capable of messing up. I know your stupidity. And in spite of that, I factored all that in when I planned out what I want you to accomplish with your life, what task I've given you, because I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in you. And my spirit is all the power you need. And my word is what will sustain you and guide you and teach you about me and teach you about yourself and teach you about the world. That's what my word will do. And all of this is possible because I've given you the ultimate gift and that's my son, Jesus. All that's possible because of him. So with that in mind, I wanna go back to one of the great stories in scripture that, you know, when I first started reading this as a kid and knew about this story, 
it really bothered me. I, it's kind of like, this is kind of harsh. And why would God do something like that? <clears throat> but what we see now is that God is actually introducing what's to come through his son. So <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12 is a breathtaking promise made to Abram by God. We don't know why God chose Abram. Uh, he didn't deserve it. But it shows us that God's grace, that the grace of God is something that cannot be earned. Um, the test of Abram's faith and his willingness to leave his home and to go to a strange land, um, <clears throat> this was not a temptation, this was a test. And God made a covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two or more people. When you join Gateway, you entered a covenant with Gateway. In fact, we have it written down and we ask you to sign it. Say, this is what you're agreeing to about how you're going to live being a part of this family. And, you know, it's like a marriage covenant, you know, the agreements. This is how you're going to live in your marriage. And, and, and the stories in the Bible teach us about God, teaches us about Jesus, and teaches us about ourselves. In fact, when Jesus introduced the Last Supper and he took the cup of wine and he said, this is a new covenant. This is a new covenant that's being established between God and his people. And you and I live in that covenant. So here, here's the story. <clears throat> Abraham is, um, the Lord said to him, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. In other words, everything that you know, all your security, all, all your things that make you happy, all your safety nets, leave it all. And go to the land that I will show you. Hmm. Yeah, he, he, he just said, get up and leave. And, and I'll show you, meaning in the future, I'm not going to give you the roadmap now. <clears throat> I will t tell you one step at a time, the road. And then he says something amazing. <clears throat> I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the nations on earth will be blessed through you. A huge statement. Now, God kept his promise. 3,000 years later, we're talking about Abram, Abraham now. <clears throat> and so God kept his word. And um, God told in chapter 22, God tells him to do something that's um, crazy. I mean, we, this is the part that bothered me. God tells Abraham to take his son and offer him as a human sacrifice. That, that didn't make any sense. And Abraham shows one of the greatest demonstrations of faith in the Old Testament. Um, 
And, and even Isaac had faith, it seems like, when, when he realized that he was going to be the sacrifice. I mean, he was probably a little over 20 years old, and he could have easily run away and outdistanced his dad, who was over 100. And, um, <clears throat> but he was submissive, even if it meant his life. So you will always have trials when they come. And instead of treating them with contempt, maybe you should treat them with a, a happy privilege. Don't resent them as intruders in your life, but welcome them as friends who give you an opportunity to grow the quality of your endurance and grow your faith. So if you want to survive, if you want to survive, here's some steps. I must live with confidence. Confidence. Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes, I'm here. Take your son, your only son, Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, I cannot imagine that Abraham slept too well that night. And the Bible doesn't give us into the mind and heart of Abraham, but you can just imagine his brain is going nonstop, like, what? Where did this come from? Have I done something wrong? This goes against a previous promise of what he said about Isaac. I, I don't get this. But with confidence, the very next morning, verse 3, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey. He took his, two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. I mean, he didn't even take a couple of days to pray through it. He just got up and went. He chopped wood for fire for the burnt offering, and he set out for the place God had told him about. Uh, it took him a couple of days, maybe about three days or so to get there. So the result is perspective. When I live with confidence, I get some perspective about what's really going on. So Satan tempts us to bring out the worst in us. God tests us to bring out the best. And uh, you know, the most severe tests don't come from people. They actually come from the Lord. And, um, and the greatest blessings you'll ever have in your life will always come out of those testings. So the saint that walks closest to the Lord It's the one that God has tested the greatest for his glory. So this three-day journey to a place of sacrifice, which is actually <coughs> called the Temple Mount in the old city of Jerusalem. If you've ever seen a panoramic view of Jerusalem, there's always this structure that sticks out that has a gold dome on it. And it's called the Dome of the Rock. 
Now today, that's a Muslim place, and well, it has been for a long time, and uh, non-Muslims are not allowed to go in there. Back in the 70s, when first time Mary and I went to Israel, it was open to people that were non-Muslim. And so Mary and I actually got to go in that place. And there is, inside there is this massive rock um, that you could go and you can touch, you can put your hand on it and you can feel it and, and, and know that that's where it happened. That's where Abraham set up a pile of woods, a pile of wood and tied up his son and laid him there and raised a knife into the air and was ready to do exactly what God had told him to do with no explanation as to why. Wow. This, this had to be a period of agony for Abraham. I mean, was God testing Abraham's faith? I don't think so. Here's why, because God already knew the result. He already knew what was going to happen. I think God was helping Abraham to discover his faith. Maybe that's why God brings testing in your life. To help you to discover the faith that Jesus has already put there. Jesus says, I'm the author of faith. I'm the finisher of faith. You have the faith of Jesus in you. And God allows testing so that you can discover that faith. Let that sink in. God wants you to know that faith. And, and so God did not want Isaac's life. What he wanted was Abraham's heart. So does God have your heart? Or has your heart been swayed away by the things of this world? So number two, I must look for direction. Genesis 22, four. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So he did not delay. He didn't say, all right, let's just kind of camp out here and we're just going to have a little rest time and I'm going to spend some time with my son for the last time. Uh, the result was after being obedient and arriving where he was supposed to arrive, the result was more guidance. So God always gives you the guidance that you need when you need it. So when you pray for guidance, trust that God will answer that prayer when you need it. Sometimes you're not ready for it. Sometimes you are ready for it, but the timing's not right. So I trust God, this is where we struggle sometimes. We trust God with our eternal soul, but we don't necessarily like his timeline. You know, we want what we want when we want it because we want quick fixes, we want quick answers, we want quick responses, we want things instantly. Why didn't my Amazon package arrive in 24 hours like they promised? I mean, you know, we just, we get impatient. It's a little, I mean, it's amazing how impatient we have become because we want everything right then. And so God gave him more guidance. 
The Bible is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. And the whole Bible, it's given to us by the inspiration of God, his Holy Spirit. And it teaches us what is true and it teaches us and it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It straightens us out. It helps us to do what is right. And so it is God's way of making us well prepared every point, at every point, fully equipped to do good for others. Number three, I must work hard to focus. Oh, man. Isn't that, isn't that a job? That's a real chore today. We, we, our attention span is like, ugh. You know, I mean, like you go out to lunch with somebody and five minutes into lunch, they're going, huh, you know, when's this going to be over? Or, you, you know, you just, you, you know, you just, your attention span, you, you have less and less patience about things. So I have to work hard to focus. Verse five, <clears throat> stay here with the donkey. Abraham told that to the servants. <clears throat> the boy and I will travel a little further. We'll worship there. Now get this. Then we will come right back. That was a statement of faith right there. It's kind of like, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know what's going to be the end result. But I know the promises that God has already made to me about Isaac. And he... However it happens, he's got to come back. Now, we're going to learn a little bit more about that. So Abraham placed the wood on the burnt offering as on, on um, Isaac's shoulders. Isn't that interesting? Just, just like Jesus, the only son of God, Isaac, the only son of Abraham, Isaac had to carry the the, the fire that would burn his body or, or carry the wood that was going to burn his body. And Jesus had to carry the cross that was going to take his life. And Abraham carried the fire, the knife, uh, the fire and the knife. As the two walked together, Isaac turned to his father. He said, father, yes, my son, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. What a prophetic statement about Jesus. The lamb of God was going to be the ultimate sacrifice. They both walked on together. And when they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac. No word of Isaac fighting back or um, Abraham laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Now we know the end of the story, God stopped him. So the result, you know, the result of this Staying incredibly focused. When you stay focused on what God's told you to do 
and you do not allow yourself to be diverted in other directions, there's a peace that comes with that. And for whatever reason, however that happened, Abraham just had this incredible peace and apparently Isaac had it too. I mean, it was like Isaac was feeding off the peace that he saw in his father. And so Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. And his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Hmm. Maybe during that three-day journey, he had time to reflect upon God's commands without wavering or questioning the morality of a human sacrifice or the purpose of God. Maybe Abraham confidently assured his servants that um, he and his son would come back. We will come back. Uh, Hebrews 11 really reveals the rest of the story for us. Um, Hebrews eleven seventeen. This, this really kind of lets us know what was going on in Abraham's mind. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who, who received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, just as God was ready to sacrifice his only son. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Wow. Isaac had asked, where is the lamb? And, but God supplied a ram. <clears throat> the answer to his question is actually found in the person of Jesus. And um, it wasn't far from Mount Moriah on a place called Mount Calvary that Jesus would be sacrificed. And just as Abraham had reasoned that God could bring Isaac back from the dead, God brought his son back from the dead. I mean, what a picture of Jesus and God in this. James um, 14 through 26, it discusses the relationship between faith and works. And, and James uses this event to illustrate his main point that true faith is always proved by obedience. So James 2.21, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, Abraham was not saved because he offered Isaac. He was saved years before because he trusted God's promises. And so when God was requiring of him this most difficult thing, Abraham went back to God's promises and that got him through. And so in his brain, he's going, 
I know what God said. I'm living on that. So he's either going to stop this or if I go through with it and he allows it, he's going to bring my son back from the dead because he made this promise to me. You see, when you go through your testing, you can go back and say, I know the Bible says God will get me through anything. I know the Bible says I will never abandon you or leave you. I know the Bible says I'll give you everything that you need to get through what you're going through. I'll supply all your needs. And I know the Bible says when this life comes to an end, I'm immediately going into the presence of the Lord. I have nothing to be afraid of, not even death. Wow. This is such a huge lesson we're learning from Abraham. In fact, Genesis 15, 6, it says, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, James is not saying you're saved by your works or you're by your sacrifices, but rather that's just the proof of your faith. This type of Jesus that we see in Isaac Both, both Isaac and Christ were promised sons. Both were born miraculously. Both brought joy to the heart of the father. Both were born at the set time. Both were persecuted by their brethren. And both were obedient to the point of death. Christ was crucified between two thieves and Isaac had his two servants with him. Isaac questioned his father, and Jesus questioned his father. God, why have you forsaken me? And of course, Jesus actually died, and Isaac was spared, just like you and me. You see, if it weren't for Jesus, you and I would have to die for our sins. You know that, right? But because of Jesus, we don't have to die. And even so, Christ gave himself on the cross and he went back to heaven and one day he's coming back to take us to be with him. So here's, here's faith. Faith is the utter and complete abandonment of, your, of oneself to the will of God. Now that's faith. So set the world aside for a while. Zero in on the Lord. Set aside all the distractions. Zero in on his word. And I think you'll discover that as as you abandon yourself into the will of God and his purpose for your life, you'll find that you'll have all the survival tools necessary to get through. Let's pray.